Common Geeking Program, a book club podcast where each of us uh, read up on a topic and discuss it, discuss it can't talk today, uh, from our own geeky, nerdy perspectives. This week, I'm your host, Time Little Chodery, and we will be dis- discussing Little Witch Academia and feel good stuff. Haha, <laughs> I got you, Chowder. You fell from my peanut butter mouth trick. <laughs> <laughs> this was years of the blank making. <laughs> All according to Kakuse. <laughs> I'm joined by two people, each of whom have selected a domain that connects to our topic and theme. They are... Hello, it's me, Keenan. Uh, I will be discussing the 2015 anime Blood Blockade Battlefront. I didn't want to choose an anime, but uh, I felt this embodied the feel-good that uh, I want to talk about. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's me, Ryan Mossberger here, and I chose Would You Be My Neighbor, the, I believe, 2018 documentary about Mr. Rogers yep, and 2018. his neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> That's very feel-good. As opposed to the documentary just about the neighborhood. It's very interesting. Would you both be my neighbor? Bop, bop, bop. Do you like the Batman theme? All right, so first we're going to just start off by summarizing Little Witch Academia, and then uh, summarizing each of uh, our representatives' domains, and then go into a discussion where we just discuss. You know. With words. Yes, words. Finally, we close with a competitive rating section to determine who best contributed to the conversation and whether today's topic was enjoyable. But without further ado, let's get started. All right, I'm going to try to s- stick to the time. All right, then I can, I can, I can handle the summary. If, if you want to stick to time, I got this. You know, check it, everyone. All right, so we meet Akko. Akko is a Japanese woman in not England. It's not England. It's our country. Well, they never say England. She's. I love it. <laughs> what? Well, she's going there to learn magic to be a witch. I mean, not a woman. Now, she is a child. Oh, oh, oh! So children can't be women? Wow. I mean, not very well, progressive. I mean, you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I understand. But anyway, so she's a girl. Better. She goes to learn. She wants to go learn at Luna Nova, which is uh, like one of the most prominent magical schools in the world. But it's also like falling on hard times because magic isn't as popular anymore because of science, which I don't understand because magic is a renewable resource. But like whatever. I mean, there ha- it's like well, it's not because like they're running out of magic until no, but it renews itself. That's that's a fact. Like they have one giant floating rock called the Sorcer- Sorcerer's Stone that gives them magic every day. Yeah, but, like, if they move away from that magic stone, they... Oh, my... Oh, it's almost like if you move away from electricity, you don't get any electric? <laughs> yes, but electricity is everywhere! You need to heart... Whatever. The point uh, is... Uh, wait, actually, quick question about magic in the world. I couldn't figure out how prevalent is magic in the world, and do as everyone know about it? Every, everyone, seemingly everyone... both everywhere and nowhere. Yeah, it felt like everyone time. knew about it. All right, all right. So, basically, it's like uh, magic in this world... It's well known. Everyone knows about it. The problem is it's been on the decline because magical sources just uh, are becoming rarer and harder to find. Like those Well, let's be real. Are... The reason it's falling down is because people stopped believing and they stopped <laughs> yeah. believing in themselves. 
Yeah, who needs magic when you have stock options? <laughs> Which was the point of one of the episodes. That was legitimately one of my favorite episodes where the dragon's like, I've grown with the times. I did, I did enjoy that. I mean, I it makes wanna... sense, right? Like a who dragon made would go those, from hoarding who gold. Who made the furniture? Like... Anyway, so she gets to the school, Luna Nova. She's excited to learn magic. However, she's absolutely terrible at it. On the way, she meets our two best friends, which is Lot the uh, Lote, Lote, the exposition, and uh, okay, you guys got to say it first. Is it Su- Suni? Susie, 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 Susie. But it's spelled like with an N, so it always trips me up. Anyway, yeah, I believe uh, she's from the Philippines canonically. Really? Yeah. Huh. I didn't get that at all because she's purple. The Wikipedia. But you know, like whatever. <laughs> so you know, they're, they're, they're those two actually know magic, and they're actually good at it. You know, but uh, they enter into some kerfuffle, classic first day of school problems. You end up at a magic for- forest, and Akko, our main girl, is given a what she believes to be called the shiny rod, which is like the wand used by her idol, who was Shiny Chariot, who it was an entertainer uh, and inspired like an entire generation of witches to like go do magic and she was like really good at school stuff you know and so she wants to be just like her which is why she's going to luna nova which is where shiny chariot went and then eventually an overarching plot for the fate of magic in the world is developed centered around akko and her friends as she meets you know them in the school uh who do, who do we have we got uh we, we, we got, got amanda yeah. Amanda O'Neill, who, who's my favorite, who <laughs> is just no, she's she's like she's like the like tough guy of the school, and she just kind of like wants to fly a broom all day. Uh, we have uh, Constance, who's this tiny little woman, who you know just kind of like a little girl who doesn't speak. She just makes magic robots all day. Uh, Francesca, who we don't really like count, but for some reason she's in the finale. Who just eats? That's her whole characterization. And then we have Diana, and that's the only yeah, you know, God, Diana. Who's like the really talented rich girl who, you know, she's a magical prodigy. She's, you know. She's the rival to Akko. Well, according to Akko, let's make that clear. <laughs> yeah, a um, real Draco Malfoy, if you will. Yeah, if Draco Malfoy actually like succeeded in any of his stuff. If Draco, if Draco Malfoy wasn't a fuckboy. Yeah. yeah. If Draco Malfoy and, was actually good at magic and like. If Draco Malfoy had, uh, what's it called? Um. Oh, well, what would, what would we call it? Being able to, what's a, a MacGuffin-like quality of always knowing what to do in every situation? That's what it would be like. You can at least respect Diana. You can't respect that's not those crap. Yeah, but you, uh, we, we basically, like, watch her transition over what I think is a school year, because there's definitely a change in the seasons, and then it's, you know, back to the way we started. Um, and she's just trying to learn magic while also becoming embroiled in this ongoing, I don't want to say a conspiracy, but an ongoing problem with um, magic because she's given the shiny rod, which turns out she has to reveal these seven words of power within the shiny rod to unlock the Grand Triskelion. No, it is. The rod is the Grand Triskelion. No, wait, no really? I yeah, the rod is the Grand Triskelion, okay. and to unlock the Grand Triskelion's power, she must say the seven words. No, I thought the Grand Triskelion was the twig we find later. No, that's the world-changing magic. No, the world-changing magic, what she does, whatever. No, okay. the world-changing magic Sorry. is the stick. Believe me. Remember at the end where the where the antagonist like this isn't world changing magic. It's a I stick. Did. And then the I giant really... ghost lady's like, no, 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 no. That is world changing magic. You just don't I know just how to, to say, use it. I super enjoyed how the antagonist, who is a 
Like, she's a science professor. She's like, I use magic, but with floating Roombas, you know, and like <laughs> all the like the. did the not conservative... like her as an antagonist. <laughs> I, I think she was a good antagonist. I, I thought she was like a good antagonist, but she was annoying because. All she did I was know. eat soup the entire fucking series and act menace. Like, there was no. <laughs> Also, like, she, like she's just one of those people, in my opinion, like one of those builds. Like, how could none of you see this coming? Also, we didn't report her because we we have this one uh, professor that we like. Her name is Professor Ursula, who kind of like mentors Akko, and like she's constantly confronting the evil professor, Professor Croy, about like all the bad stuff she's doing. It, it's not until like the second to last episode that she finds any sort of reason to tell the faculty about the evil experiment she is running on students? Yeah, it's pretty cracked up. Like, there's one episode where she tries to trick Akko into, like, climbing up this big old plant spire, and Ursula gets fucked up because of it, because, like, it, for whatever reason, it blooms a spore that steals part of your magic. And, And, like, at what point was, like, Ursula, like, you know what, this is a real bad thing that you did, but... I ain't gonna be no snitch. <laughs> no, dude, I was, I was pretty. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I hear that episode because Akko, who you know, she like, she's like Professor Croy, the evil witch, evil witch. She's just like, oh, that's weird. It's like Ursula lied to you. I was like, don't get, don't get to that moment against Ursula, and it works. At one point, like Ursula flies out to save her, and she slaps away her hand. I was like, how dare you? Yeah, don't you? That woman is doing everything for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but eventually, like I said, Akko, through the power of friendship and perseverance, eventually, and I really mean eventually, because for the first ten episodes, she is bad at everything. She's even bad at circumventing, like, magic. Like, every time, like, like something comes up, she wants to be a good witch. So, like, she tries to do stuff. She can't do it. So she tries to think of a different way to do it. Not, I don't know. It just kind of annoyed me for how long we spent just not being good at it. But eventually, like I said, she learns uh, how to control magic becomes friends with the rich girl and everyone else. And, you know, through the power of friendship and belief, because believing in yourself is her magic. Believing in yourself, it's your magic. Yeah, well, uh... Yeah, they eventually save the day. And that's that's Little Witch Academia. It's about, you know, persevering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, wait, Keenan, before we go on, is your mic scratching something? I feel I mean, it's like I, you're really bad scratching in the background. I mean, I'm scratching myself. Well, yeah, that was that was me scratching my shoulders just now. I like had to. I just cleared some stuff out of my headphones. Maybe that was that uh, was it. Maybe. Uh, well, if it's not well, happening now, well, the, if it happens again, you know. Okay, okay. Uh, where was I? Okay, so, so yeah, the reason I wanted to talk about a little Watch Academia is, well, when this episode airs, it's gonna be my birthday. Yay. Oh shit! Wow, you. Happy I birthday! Know you, yeah, happy progressive birthday day. <laughs> and you're uh, another year older. Your 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 cells have aged by a whole year, or have died. One or the other. You are and one year closer to death. Yes, I am. Or one yes, year I closer am. to immortality, depending on how you view things. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's uh, and like reflect, reflecting on the year, it's. I don't know. I think it's been a good year, and I just, uh, I guess I just wanted to celebrate. Year of the Chatter. Hell yeah. With just, uh, something about feeling good. Something that makes me feel good, that makes me happy, and, like, Little Witch Academia is great. It's it's a very inspirational story to me, because, like, uh, it, there's a lot of analogs to, like, Akko going to magic school and 
going to art school, you know, and uh, the way she's really bad at it, at it and everyone else around her is really good and uh, and just like oh, no. a lot of the lessons in Little Witch Academia uh, are just very, very uh, are just it's good fine. life advice, you know, like yeah. be patient with yourself. Uh, uh, don't take shortcuts and uh, to getting to where you want to be. Uh, I did enjoy and, that aspect of Little Witch Academia because, uh, spoilers, uh, be evil you know, uh, the morally gray, which is, I think, what they wanted to go for, but she just came off as, like, solidly evil. Professor, Professor Croy, the technology professor, she eventually, you know, gets a hold of, like, the world authoring magic by using science and cheating and stuff, and it literally just, like, makes confetti, yeah, which I thought was... Yeah, which I thought was petty and wonderful. Like, it was <laughs> like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't have all seven words. You could have bubbles. How about that? <laughs> oh, wait, and uh, Chowder, you forgot the most important lesson is that when you take a class taught by a fish, you have to make sure that you know how to speak fish. Duh. <laughs> okay, uh, why why was that an option for her? They talk about how it's only high-level linguistic students. I was like, why was that even available for her? Loki, Loki, Ursula failed her at almost every turn until the second part. <laughs> until the second. No, no, season. no. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I am. I am 100 in defense of Professor Ursula because Akko didn't try until the second. Well, let's part. let's be let's be real. Ursula was barely. She was. She, I think she maybe had a total of five minutes of screen time before the second season. I guess the second that part. Did, yeah, it did feel weird where they were like, "You will personally monitor." Her. Yeah. I'm like, All right, cool. And it's then like, you don't. It literally I, the first season it's 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 her like oh it, sh- it shows her for a second when akko is doing something dumb for whatever reason she finds out about it and then she stares out a window and goes akko and then you just like it gleans across her glasses <laughs> that's the first season every like literally her all of her screen time yeah well, it, well uh she tries we should be moving on to the domains now but uh before okay, we go so. uh just want to wrap up and say yeah so Little Witch Academia. It's cute. It's wholesome. Uh, it's inspirational, and I just I just wanted a chill, laid back episode where we just talked about stuff that made us happy. And yeah, cool. Fucking chill as fuck. To the domains. All right. Who's who's first? Keenan. You. Oh. Yeah, Keenan, go first. Thank you, other Keenan. Um, I chose Kekai Sensen. Uh, I didn't want to choose an anime because I feel like I talk about anime a lot on this uh, on this podcast. But like, you know, whatever. This is something I um, I recently rewatched this with my roommate. It is a shonen manga that was a manga that was adapted into a anime. I'm, I want to talk about the anime. It was actually adapted by Bones. The animation is pretty good. Funimation did the dub, so that means, you know, it's also pretty good on the aspect. Um, it is basically about a young photographer named Leonardo Watch, who, through kind of terrible circumstances, he obtains what they call the all-seeing eyes of the gods. Uh, it ends up, like, costing his... It's his, his, like, it's, uh, he ends up costing his sister's eyesight. Yes, it's always the full name, which I also love about, like, it. Cause just low-key, he just found it. Well, now, like, a giant like, uh, monster appears and, like, gives it to him, but takes his sister's eyesight. Uh, okay, keep keep in mind, like, before any of that happened... Oh, I was about to say, the, the yeah, the, the uh, Manhattan and New York in general, like, it didn't explode, but, like, <laughs> a... No, 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 it's, it's really weirdly defined. It's, you have to stick with me. 
a cross section between the two worlds, as they explain it, between like this world of you know monsters and like our world opened up in like Manhattan, and it was able to be like prevented, but now New York City's gone and it's Hell Salem's lot. So it's basically New York City, but now there's weird supernatural shit going on, as as opposed to. Just weird shit going on. Like, yeah, like, sli- so, so, like, a more tame version of New York City, you know, <laughs> if you think about it. Uh, but, like, it's, like, it's, like, this, like, everything's, like, um, like, monsters and, like, magicians are, like, have a commonplace, and it's crazy, you know? And he ends up jo- he ends up going there and joins a secret organization called Libra, which are these monster hunters slash terrorists, code uh, fighters slash... Terrorists? No, they, they, sorry, they, they, they're terrorist fighters. I, I weird, worded that wrong. Okay. Uh, Libra sorry. fights monsters and terrorists and, you know, all sorts of threats, threats to the world because they're a secret organization that, like, just want to do good stuff. It had a second season, which I was very happy about. It, Like I said, it's a fighting, you know, uh, anime. It's mainly it's called Blood Black Battlefront because a lot of the characters use, like, blood magic, like, their own blood to supply, like, alter blood and then use it for, like, magical abilities. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I chose it is because it has a lot of like what I what makes me feel good, which is a lot of like uh, like like in all ensemble animes, its finale ends with uh, New York blowing up again, and nothing makes Keenan happier than knowing that New York has been destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it ends with like all our ensemble cast coming together, and we're all fighting towards a common goal. Which I, I I love. Little Witch Academia did it, and I just I'm I'm a real like I'm like yeah, power of friendship, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right here, exactly. Oh. Like in that last episode when uh, Akko and her friends were like are on chasing, the broom and they're all pushing each other off, chasing like, Voltron of brooms, <laughs> and like chasing after a literal magic missile. Yeah, I also thought that was funny. But yeah, no, it has like that. It also has like every every episode has like an inspiring speech by someone. Because, see, the thing is, Leo, despite having these magic eyes, is literally just a dude in a town with a lot of scary dudes. And he just, he, he's not very good at fighting them, so he doesn't. Uh, he's just a normal dude, and, like, a lot of his, uh, his character arc is just about, like, learning to be okay with himself and the choices that he's made and the actions that have been, like, uh, affected that his life. Um, so that's, that's mainly why I chose that, because, like I said, it has the same kind of ensemble dynamic. Where uh, it's very episodic, you can kind of pop in whenever you want. Uh, once in a while, I'll just watch like just a few episodes that I like, and like I said, uh, that's why I chose it because like it has a lot of like the core things that make me feel good. You know, good versus evil, inspiring speeches, every main characters, and you and know, also, power friendship. And also at the climax, they play the theme song, and it is hype. <laughs> ah, yes. Also, it, this actually did have one of my favorite openings and closing of an anime ever. Yeah. The closing for the first season is literally just them dancing to a really good song. Like, all the characters and are it, just, like, hanging out. And it's out. wonderful. I love that and, and yeah, closing. If, if, if nothing else, uh, listeners, just look up Blood Blockade Battlefront or Kekai Sensen's season one closing. You'll love it. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's, that's why I chose this and brought this to the table. We'll talk more later. Cool. Ryan, you're up. This episode, I chose to bring to the table Mr. Rogers. 
more specifically the documentary that came out earlier this year would you be my neighbor would you and it delves into mr rogers life and gives examples of the type of person he is off screen like his vietnam record he does they actually had a little segment where they talked about that he does not have a vietnam record <laughs> that's a lie no, he's, no, we, uh, no of course in he doesn't. fact they really talked about that he is the exact person off screen that he is on screen you know just yeah. very kind gentle nurturing person which in its own way could probably be very frustrating and i think they kind of touch on that a little bit but you can tell that they're trying to talk about him very lovingly yeah what do you mean um, frustrating like how good of a person he was what like you want to like you watch and you feel like a shit or something well no imagine like as being the son of mr rogers and oh, that would be rough, when you come right? home he's the exact same person you know it's probably it's great for your development i suppose but when you're 16 and want to go to a party and you have to explain your feelings to your father it's probably not great right <laughs> yeah. um i don't know if you guys ever watched the show as a kid i did uh, probably when yeah, I was very I did. Young. yeah i did i can't remember most of it though because i moved over to veggie tales pretty quickly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but its main focus was to make you feel good um Unlike a lot of kids programming at the time, it wasn't flashy, violent, or loud in any way. It was quiet, it was caring, and nurturing. And it wasn't afraid to be silent. It wasn't afraid to do something slowly. And it just taught valuable lessons about just empathy and communicating with others. And Exactly. Um, and at its core, it was about telling children, and not just any child. Well, I mean, just not like a child or a specific type of child, but all children, no matter what they were, that they were special, that they mattered, and that most importantly, what they felt mattered. Um, Mr. Rogers made children feel good not by distracting them from their problems, by, but by validating and explaining what they feel and talking to them on the same level. I think even now as an adult, when I talk, when you know, thinking about children, I'm even in my head, like talking down to them. I don't, I think as adults, we start to lose this kind of way of seeing it from their level and yeah. understanding how they feel just because like, oh, why are you upset that you can't, you know, place your cup there well to them that is the thing that they were going to do today and then you know we thrash it i chose it i chose it because i think little witch academia would greatly confuse mr rogers on just about every level on one hand the message is very sweet and i think it goes out of its way to talk about like people's feelings um their motivations and kind of deconstructing their conflicts and showing why people are angry and why and how they can get better like a lot of the conflict in the show, even the main conflict between Ursula and the, I, I'm blanking on the antagonist witch, but it's really just a miss. It's one person being jealous Croy. of the other, and her then name's uh, Croy. Croy. Yeah, Croy. Yeah, Croy. It's, it's really stupid, centers about jealousy and them not being able to cope with it adequately. You know, Croy wanted to do something amazing with the world and wanted to change it on a fundamental level. While Ursula, what did she want to do? Question, because I actually did not fully understand. She what wanted she to like was... bring back the age of magic. Yeah, but I got she that, wanted to do it all? in a intense, powerful way while, chi- while Shining Chariot. She wanted to make people believe in magic again. They both okay. wanted the same thing, but they wanted to do it different ways. One was just a dick about it. Yeah. <laughs> so on one hand, I think he'd find it very sweet, and he would love the way that they talk about people's stuff. And they, it's, they, the show definitely does shy away from violence, but I think he would like. But the format... And cartoons in general, but I think anime specifically, Mr. Rogers would have despised. Half of anime. It used a lot of anime conventions like slapstick and kind of a non-overt sexuality. Like I was making fun of the skirt stuff, but I think it would drive him insane for like 
to think that maybe this 15-year-old, like, witch was wearing a short skirt riding a broom, it would probably make his head pop. I don't know, I just like that dichotomy. I think, in one, what I think about Mr. Rogers, I think about how sweet he was, but I also do think about how kind of behind the times he was in a lot of ways. Like, he... I mean, it like, uh, up. I, I've seen the I've seen the documentary, like, the most... Yeah. Really, the worst thing they could say about Mr. Rogers was he was a little slower on, like, certain issues... Or slower taking on certain issues than he was on others, and even then, he still came around to... Yeah. The moral thing, yeah. Yeah. But much earlier... I would say even on some of the things he was slower on, he was more accepting of it much earlier than was probably socially norms, like they talk yeah. about... Yeah. Uh, I can't remember, not Mr. McFeely, but uh, the police officer. Oh, the black guy. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but he was gay, and he was a first, oh. he was, uh, Mr. Mr. Rogers was like, kind of against it. like, you can't go to these gay clubs anymore if you find out, like, if anybody finds out, like, I'll have to fire you. And the guy that played him kind of was like, yeah, he was kind of rough on me at first, but, like, he even, it didn't take him long to accept me for who I am, and, like, I still couldn't maybe do the activities all the same ways I wanted to because I think he was kind of trying to explain to me that I was emblematic of something that I was my his figure as a black person in the in the homes of children you know being this kind of mentoring figure was more important than I guess you could say his wants or needs as you know as an adult in that kind of you know in relationship wise so it is kind of a weird thing so i that's i really i one i wanted to talk to him about mr rogers because he, he does make me feel good like sometimes i'll watch old clips and if i'm feeling like really down and it is something uplifting especially seeing things something from your childhood but also i like the idea of maybe if this had come out a little bit earlier mr rogers sitting on a couch somewhere and then watching this and just being utterly fucking confused about what to do about it <laughs> i mean i you know yeah it's just it just makes my mind boggle because i do think that has a really good message i think this anime is super feel good it's very sweet it doesn't talk down about i mean it, it definitely it, tries to show different viewpoints and it doesn't and really sexualize the characters i know that's not a high bar to pass but this is yeah. anime we're talking about here this is yeah, anime we're it, talking about here. It does a real good job of being all about women, but not being all about women. It's not, you know, they're not talking about like, oh, my boobs are so big, blah, blah, blah. Like, you could replace <laughs> any of these characters with any format of human being, and the stories would still play out just as well <laughs> and just as fun. I mean, yeah, you know, men, uh, women, anything in between, or anything that does not lie. Outside, you know? Yeah, no, no. I yeah. just, I liked, I liked the way you said it. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be like, what do you mean? No. Uh, All no. right. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. I, let's move on to the discussion then. So here we are at the discussion. First thing I wanted to uh, talk about is uh, Ryan brought this up but, uh, uh, in his description of Mr. Rogers, but yeah, the idea of validation that like it uh, addresses like feelings that you may be insecure about in your own life and just like telling you it's going to be okay. Like uh, Little Witch Academia, it's like about a girl trying to, you know, achieve her dreams and wondering, will she ever, ever be able to? And I guess you, I want to ask... Asking? How does your domain do that? What, what us, is it that makes it really work? Keenan, not- I'll let you take this first. All right, so you, you're asking how my exact uh, domain makes me feel good. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 
Okay, well, like I said, there's a few components of... Um, I think there's different types of feel-good, you know? Um, and But this one does feel a little like my little uh, little witch academia in, the, in terms of, like, validation. Because usually in the course of a typical episode of Blood, Blood Back Paid Battlefront, uh, Leona Watch, who once again has very little powers of his own, uh, he's, he's most commonly used as, like, uh, because there's, like, a... A special kind of like monster called blood breeds, which are like the original vampires. Um, and they can't be killed, they're immortal, and they can't be sealed away unless you know their name. But by using his all seeing eyes of the gods, he can, you know, see them. And uh, Klaus, the leader, Klaus von Reinhardt, who's just this big, you know, lovable, very, you know, like very honor- honorable. Yeah, he's very honorable, but he's like such a, like, a, he's, he's so, he's such a perfect good guy, you know? Yeah. But he's also like you know like a, a adult and you know he's very naive. But a typical episode usually goes with Leonardo being faced with a monster or coming into encounter with them as part of Libra and not being able to fight it himself. But and like kind of sometimes like he kind of hates himself because like he you know he feels like bad that he's never strong like as a person like physically enough to like fight monsters. But then eventually one of the other people in the group like Klaus or you know Chain or Zap or Steven who are the other characters who also form Libra, remind him that it's not about, you know, how physically strong you are. It's about your place in this group and how together is our real strength. And then, you know, he'll use his powers and, like, the music will come on and we'll do something great. And then the second season also does a cool thing where every episode focuses on a certain person in their group. You know, like, you expand more upon, like, Chain who's called the Invisible Werewolf, and you don't know why. She can disappear and is, like, a spy, but, like, we don't know why. She's called the Invisible Werewolf until the second season. Like, none of the werewolves are, like, They can just disappear that- and, you know, decrease their existence down to a fraction of themselves, however you want to explain it. But the point is, it also comes down to, like, the, like I said, the, the power of the group. That, like, it makes you feel like no matter how not as strong as you may view yourself, you're strong in some way, and you are of use to, like, your friends and i don't mean like of use like you're of use strong in the real way (laughs) that you're that you are useful and you are loved by a group and like i said like the real power of friendship is like what overcomes evil and i love that crap and also inspiring speeches (laughs) and like just like because like class does a lot of inspiring speeches in the first episode he's like listen you may think you're scared but just remember a man who acknowledges the adversity before him is the strongest man i know and it's like oh yes (laughs) <laughs> and I'm a, yeah, I'm a sucker exactly. for that. Exactly, that was so a that's, great. That's story. why it works for me. Get Guy was like a fish out of water kind of story, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, Leonardo very much was like out of place. Yeah, because he's hell, just hell, a normal dude. Lot. He doesn't even use his special eyes as as well as like he can sometimes. And like it just it felt like you can relate to him because he's an everyman character. Uh, kind of like how I think like you can relate to Akko because you're kind of finding this out at the same rate she is. And, you know, but, like, there's still people around who are like, it's okay. Kind of like Mr. Rogers is saying, like, you know, there's always a Mr. Rogers character saying, it's all right that you're, you know, you're where you're at. And people love it because you're you. So that's why I think it works for me. I don't know if it works for everyone because, like I said, like, I, I like those inspiring speeches. I like the power of friendship. Uh, I like a good, straightforward, good versus evil scenario, you know? Uh, Ryan, you have anything to say or 
Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Mr. Rod, if I understand the question, it's like, why does it make me feel good? I think on one level, there is like almost a comfort food aspect to watching Mr. Rogers. It's such a different pace than other shows. It has a very calming effect. He doesn't ever really get loud. It's almost like a meditative thing. And, you know, uh, you know, 30 minutes of silence focusing on a single thing. And also... A lot of his lessons that he talks about, even even if they're aimed really at kids, I think they're important important things for adults too. You know, it's okay to be angry, it's okay to be upset, um, but you need to be constructive um, with those feelings. And instead of just stewing in it, you need to try and talk about it, or you need to put it forward into something else. I mean, if you are upset about a situation, the best way to get over that situation or get over being upset is to use that kind of passion that you might be feeling to push forward and correct that situation. I think as adults, it's really easy to kind of get, especially adults our age, you know, like, you know, late, you know, mid to late 20s. It's very easy to kind of get stuck in this place of self-doubt and unsurety about your future. Like the way a lot of people I know and heck, even myself describe uh, ourselves is like, being a 15-year-old stuck in an adult's body or something, you know? Like, we feel like <laughs> all the time. You know, we're, like, stuck and we can- Yeah, it seems like you're kind of stuck in a weird place. You didn't ask to be an adult. You were just made one. And I think, I don't, I mean, I don't watch clips often because I'm not really super sad very often, but occasionally if I'm, like, feeling I'm a little down. I'm not super sad really often. Well, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> if I'm feeling very sad or, like, just a bit, you know, just, like, I don't know if wasted is the right word, but, like, emotionally wasted. I'll watch like a clip or two of something like Exhausted. of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and it's it's delightful. It brings me back. I used to do the same thing if I was feeling like really down. I'd watch like an episode of Scrubs because I think it does the same thing. There's, I mean, there's more slapstick in Scrubs, but it's always delightful. It always ends up most of the time being an upbeat episode, and things are. It brings joy. It doesn't bring you down. So I mean, that's kind of why I do. I think there's a combination of the message that Mr. Rogers has and that kind of. I don't know that the novel feeling of like touching back and like looking back and when you were like five or six and first listening to these things and like, so, like feeling a nostalgic, safe, the innocence of youth. Kind yeah, I get that. A harken yeah. back to a simpler time. It was the best of exactly. times when I could just eat my cookies and my it milk. It was the worst of times and just do all the things I wanted to do because all the things I wanted to do were watch TV and run around all day. But then someone said, "Wake up! You need to make money." Ooh, you know. Yeah. I wish we could turn back time. No. I never asked to be born. Yeah, right. And now we're stressed out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good, you know, I think also, Mr. Rogers, you're right. I think the constructive aspect also fostered a, I think that I, this also goes for like, at least me, uh, not necessarily with like Kekai Sunshine, but when you're exposed to something like that at a young age, not only is it a nostalgic kind of thing, but also like, at least for me, when I think about like Mr. Rogers and stuff, uh, and I know this is going to sound weird, but like, like Wonder Woman, like I watched a little bit of Wonder Woman growing up, as well as Red Wonder Woman comic. And when I think of like Wonder Woman or Mr. Rogers, uh, I know this, it's gonna sound stupid, but I think, am I the person that Mr. Rogers and Wonder Woman would have wanted me to be growing up? Like, yeah, because yeah, it's it's, just, it's like not, I don't want <laughs> yeah. to like it's it's like an idol worship thing, but it's just kind of like, well, they taught me these lessons. Am I like doing these? You know, uh, am I doing like am I doing them proud? You know, it's 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 just, yeah. yeah. Am I really doing yeah. my best? Uh, no, I, I, I get I get. I get think that's important because I think Little Witch Academia kind of sets on that. Uh, Akko's always trying to measure yourself against Shiny Chariot. And at the end of the series, you realize that Shiny Chariot failed. She let her, I mean, she let her anxiety get the best of her and she put a big old cross on the moon. <laughs> like, 
she shot the moon. Yeah. I, I really was hoping that she, her, because it almost seems like she's going to take a bit of an evil bent where they talk about how, like, she may have had something to do with Akko not being able to properly use a broom. Like, she stole a bit of her magical power to power her shoes. Unknowingly. Unknowingly. I was about to be very upset about that. <laughs> Honestly, I really wanted it to be that she knew about it all along. No, why? I, I think so betrayed. Because I think it's such a betray. I think it's more of betrayal that she didn't know because she she messed up so many people's lives and she didn't know about it just because. I mean, and then she didn't tell anybody. She never told. I mean, because obviously, what's uh, Croy did something awful to her. I mean, that is the equivalent of fraud. I mean, oh yeah, I'm going to set you up with this real cool thing that'll help you out, but I'm not going to tell you it literally will steal the magic out of children's hearts. That's yeah, a malpractice, Rob. And didn't she it? didn't tell anybody. She just went into obscurity. She didn't tell any. I would assume there would be some form of, like, magical authority she could maybe talk to about, like, hey, this woman is messed up. Um, But she didn't do that, so I thought it would be much more straightforward if she was just, like, she wanted, she... I don't know, that sa- sacrificing the small things for her greater purpose, and it just kind of led to one place or another. Because I think that's much more human to know the risks and do it anyway because you think you're doing a greater good. Oh, I was going to argue that one, um, I think it was more human for her, for, you know, Titan Chariot to say, yeah, I need to do this. I'm willing to, like, go. I'm not going to act how. And she didn't act how. But then upon acting how, she, like, you know, it stayed true to, like, what we thought of her. That she kind of, like, as we know, she disappeared ten years and then showed up a few years, you know, before we uh, met her as a professor at her school because she was so uh, emotionally defeated. And she did fail, you know. But I don't think I would have been okay with her knowing about it. I don't know if we could have come back from that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I feel like I would have lost lost a lot of respect if, like, she did, she did do it knowingly. Like, I still think, like, I lost a little bit of respect for her, one, doing it in the first place because she didn't ask how she was getting this magic. Yeah, yeah. But like, also, I, th- I think uh, it's enough that she didn't, like, ask about the consequences or that she didn't own up to it after the fact. I, I think I think she trusted Croy, and to be fair, when she uses the rage spirit later, it doesn't steal people's magic. It just makes, it just feeds off the anger. So, I mean, if you heard, like, oh, it's a dream spirit and it's going to help you do yeah, magic. Yeah, sounds pretty I would good, think, right? I would think it would just feed off the, the good feelings I'm giving people and it would feed back into me. I wouldn't be literally stealing the Magical magic from their ability. hearts. There's no, that's such a weird jump for the show to make. It's like, oh, this rage thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. It just, like, feeds yeah, off people's anger. Yeah, it was. But this, <laughs> other, this, this dream spirit, it's so beautiful. It will eat your soul. Like, <laughs> it was. It was a little, little jarring. I'll give you that. I thought that was a little jarring. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Because you know, and because yeah, because like, and then all of a sudden we're on the brink of nuclear war. Apparently, all because that other country. Yeah. Over a football game, and by football I mean soccer. Was that country? And by that country I mean Germany. I can honestly see a star- soccer game starting a war in real no, life. I get that because people care a lot about soccer. <laughs> Um, people care about a lot too much about sports, period. Um, but um, and also people care too much about comics and anime, period. <laughs> but uh, I will say though that I don't know. There was a weird tunnel shift. I agree that like we went from like not doing like anything and like literally Akko every episode like oh silly Akko you and then like all of a sudden then like so it got, basically unlocking a word every single episode until the end. Not just <laughs> yeah. that, 
not just that, it also, like, turned to, like, hey, Akko, you're actually kind of, like, a real fucking burden sometimes on your friend, because, like, you just don't fucking listen to them. And then, finally, I think it was, uh, the one with the, with the goat. No, no, the, um, the sacrifice episode. Oh, the episode. skeleton? No, the sacrifice oh, no. episode, where they had oh, yeah, to yeah. sacrifice, quote-unquote, allow a ghost to eat them and then excrete them, uh, unharmed. Gross, by the, by way, the way, that's fucked up. <laughs> are you telling me that, like, every year, like, a this school just chooses three people at random to basically be made fun of for the rest of their lives there like come on oh, this there's some re- fucked up traditions at this school this school's really they, bad they at not bullying. shine on that I, I was texting chowder about it like i was <laughs> watching it and i was like every like few episodes every episode I'd be like why is no one like stopping this like literally like the teachers will be like right there and the two two bullies will- wouldn't be the first time a magical school uh was really shit at their job hogwarts well, you know, a bunch of white, you know, upper class people not getting, you know, any sort of consequences. I, uh, well, but anyway. It is, it is Harry Potter with ladies in short skirts. So, of course, you know? it's going to be an exceedingly Magoo like university that they're in. They're not British. They're in our country. That's the only way it's referred to, guys. You don't know it's English. Our country and their country. Yeah, our country and that other country, which I, <laughs> I, I both loved and hated because, like, we both knew what they were talking about, but, like, the- <laughs> yeah okay so uh n- next next question uh you know ver- it's very easy for like shows that try to be feel good to veer into sh- uh schmaltzy Schmalt. overly saturated and insincere and my question is how how how, how is it that these feel good shows manage to feel sincere manage to feel really reach out to people where others may have failed uh you want uh you mind if i go first ryan I, you may. Uh, I can. I'm. I, I'm sure Ryan will have more other different things to say because his is more like decidedly trying to help real people, while ours is just simply observing journeys of characters. I think one making a relatable character that we can kind of you know project our feelings on, as well as like I said, relate to. I can. I. I. I think an everyman character like Leonardo Watch or Aka, we can relate to, and also we're there with them as they go through a journey. It's not just like this. All of a sudden, like this thing happens, and like these other characters come, and like we're all we're all okay. But like it's a, it's a longer journey. There's a payoff. The feel good, in my opinion, is the payoff that a few episodes down this happens. You know, rather than like per episode, because I like. I, don't get me wrong. Everything I thought per episode, I and I, you know, that's where like the relatable character because we were with Aka when she first went, and we can kind of relate to like not being good at something right away, but trying really hard, but still not getting as far as far. <laughs> So I think relatability is important, and also to not make it so dramatic sometimes. Because in a lot of the feel-good stuff, it was it wasn't like yeah, sure, it was um, theatrical, but not dramatic. I should say, like yeah, Aku wasn't good at magic, and like we we have never experienced magic before, you know. But she's not angsty about it for the most yeah, part. Yeah, her revelation about it, you know, and or like you know Leonardo's interactions with like the supernatural it wasn't like a dramatic like, oh i need to do this it was like oh no i just need to work hard like the themes are still universal i would argue that's why and by keeping it grounded by making realistic character um and the overall theme you know um universal is what makes it feel good without becoming too you know and like i said and like overall just like good writing basically what was the question again? How how is it that these feel good shows manage to reach oh, out? Don't yeah, don't be become saccharine. Don't become saccharine. Yeah. All right. So, I think I think it'd be depending on your perspective, Mister Rogers' Neighborhood could be pretty saccharine. 
I think there is a, I don't know, like I'm lacking the words to describe it. There oh, is, well, overly saccharine, I should say. There is a quality to Mr. Rogers, you know, the kind of slow, even speech, the kind of overwhelming sense of like, oh, you're, we, you're loved, you matter, that I think to some people might be oversaccharine. But I think to the majority of people, um, especially people that watch him as a kid, it never felt that way because you always felt like Mr. Rogers was on the level. He wasn't trying to be over saccharine. He wasn't trying to like butter you up. That's just the way he felt. Yeah, it was uh it was soft. It wasn't like forced. And yeah. it was yeah, it was you, sincere. Like he actually believed what he said. Yeah, there there is a feeling of like legitness. And when you watch some of the because in the documentary it shows some videos of him like working in small groups with children. You can see like when he's working with kids, he loves it. Dude, and he does. He's not talking down to these kids. He's talking with them and he's so excited to hear what they have to say. And he's giving them everything. He's not, oh, what is that little drawing? That's blah, blah, blah. That's, that's cute. He's like, oh, my God, these are treasures. And you can see in his face that he's so animated and happy. And then you would, I don't know, there's one thing where he was, like, working with a puppet. And he's, he's got a, forget the, the, the tiger's name. I think, what was it? Uh, crap, I'm blanking on the, he had a tiger that he used for almost the entirety of the show. Um, but he's, like, working with a kid. And you would think that this, like, a kid today would probably be like, oh, no, like, you're, I'm not, that's weird. I'm not going to talk to no sock puppet. But I think that would be just as true 20 years ago. And like when he was doing this in the 90s and kids would love it. But I think because they could just sense that like this, this guy's not messing around with me. He's not trying to make fun of me. He's doing something sincere here, even though it is weird that he's doing this thing with this puppet. And I think that, I think kids especially can, can tell if you're being fake with them, like off the get go. And I, as adults, I think we lose certain qualities of being able to like detect fakeness. That's why we, I think it's kind of the way we are, why we pick the politicians we do, all that stuff. <laughs> and I think that's just like why he's, so, it just never comes across weird or oversaturated with schmutz, as uh, I guess to say. Schmutz. It just feels yeah. like he's always on the level. Yeah. The sincerity kind of washes all that doubt away. All right. All right. So that'll about do it for our discussion. Normally we have a, so normally we have a part where we uh, answer listener questions. But uh, we don't have any for this episode, so uh, so uh, just so you know, uh, for each episode, you can ask us questions, and we will answer them. You can also give us reviews, and we will read them out loud. Okay, moving on to the ratings. <laughs> Anyways, here we're going to, uh, our two representatives are going to rate Little Witch Academia out of five. What should I use here? Little teeny short skirts. No. Hell no. 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 <laughs> Philosopher's Stone? Uh, uh, no, I got it. I got it. Uh, different different personalities of Susie Mc, Mc, uh, Susie oh, because, because, Susie, there, yeah. because there was one episode where like Akko goes into the mind of Susie and she's like meeting all these different like personality traits of Susie and it's the funniest episode yeah it's a pretty good one it's yeah. solid 
and also how the amalgamation of all of her good and bad personalities stops rampaging through her mind because she thinks Ox- Akko's gonna give her a little kiss. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, uh, that was surprisingly sweet with the whole, like, oh, yeah, she thinks about, you know, the time you met all day. It's my favorite memory. I'm like, oh. Although, straight up, I just want to say, for, like, all fucking purposes, I straight up did not. I'll, I'll say this later, you know, uh, right now. So, so who's, who's gonna rate first? Me? Uh, Kenan, yeah, you go first. Alright, I thought that... And also, guys, be nice to me here, okay? It's my birthday. <laughs> it's his birthday! It's my birthday. <laughs> it's my birthday. Alright, for you, I'll give this a solid four. Yay! Because I thought that while it did have some... T- like, there was a jarring twist when it became ultimately... Uh, in my opinion, I think it became a little too serious too quickly. You know, like, before we were just kind of having fun, learning how to do magic, and then next thing we know, uh, the fate of magic and also this one country, uh, is gonna be boiled and everything. Also, there were some times where I felt like some of the characters, I, I just ended up not liking them as much as, like, I think they wanted us to. Like, I thought the character of Andrew, who is this politician's son who slowly learns to like magic, and I think he slowly develops a crush on, you know, Akko, is just kind of like a ball, You know, like, oh, he catches, like, them like them being, like, um, Akko and her friend Amanda, like, being tortured by his compatriots uh, at his school. And he goes, we can't do this here. We can't do it. Like, we can't do this. We need to have a duel. We should have you two fight to the death instead. And I was like, what the hell, Andrew? You're supposed to be helping us out here. Yeah, he feels he feels pretty skeezy. He's definitely a Jared Kushner type, if you get my drift. Wow, that's, sorry, I wouldn't go that bad. Yeah, but like, <laughs> damn. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I felt like some of the characters, just, they weren't as likable as I think we were supposed to like them. Um, I even had a real trouble liking Diana for a, even long after we have, like, her special two-part episodes where we, like, learned to like her. Um, but overall... We learned to like her. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I mean, I hear there's going to be another season, so, you know, they yeah, might cool have... Yeah, like I said, I, I, I'd give it four, though, because it did legitimately make me feel good, and like I said to you before we started recording, I did not expect to watch all of it. I used to watch <laughs> all 22 episodes, and I was like, alright, I'm gonna probably watch, like, six. Because I, I doubt this is something I need with my my big showing, you know, anime fan. I don't need to watch Little Witch Academia. <laughs> and then I ended up watching all of it, like, you know, I devoured it. Little Witch Academia is for babies. I want grown-up anime. Yeah. I want to watch my Blood Blockade Battlefront and my Death Notes. <laughs> you know, no, but, uh... I want to watch Goblin Slayer all day. No, Goblin no, Slayer not, is just awful. That. Like, we'll in every definition. It. Don't watch Goblin Slayer. It is a disgusting game. Yeah. But anyway, the point is, uh, for... Four solid suit because I ended up like a lot of the animation, <laughs> but also so smooth and solid. Yeah, nah, that's cool. Uh, right? I think I'm going to match Keenan. I'm going to give it four Susies out of five. Yay! I, when I first started watching it, I didn't know if I liked it or not, and then by the end, I yeah. would find myself wanting to find the conclusion. Like I raced home. Yeah, right. Like, I watched. I watched halfway through the final episode, and like I was thinking about it kind of all day. And then I got home and I watched like the last 10 minutes yeah, of it. And I was, it was driving at work and I was just like, I was like, you know, driving and I'm just on the highway, minding my own business. I'm thinking, no, Shiny Chariot could not have known. No, that's <laughs> not Shiny Chariot. Yeah, it, it was good. I do think that it had some missed opportunities. Like it became almost blaringly obvious. I think after the first time I saw Ursula, I guess that that was Shiny Chariot. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, right? <laughs> 
And I think that Croy as a character, I think was a little underdeveloped. She was a little two dimensional and she didn't really have any weight as a character. At least Wait, in you my think opinion, her, until, like, her motivation? And even then it was pretty weak. Um, you think her but I, I like the overall message of the show. I thought it was really pleasant. I thought when I, I felt better, I felt like I thought it was very much a uh, comfort food type of show. You watch yeah. it and you feel a bit better. And I do like an anime that I can watch in, in a, like in front of other people and not be embarrassed. <laughs> oh yeah, that's actually. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's there's a couple of them. Like uh, I watched more Sword Art Online, and that one like Ugh. it's Sword Art to a certain Sword extent. Sword Art Online gets rapey sometimes. I, 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 why? Yeah, exactly. I don't even know why. There's there's a weird uncomfortability factor to watching like certain things. I mean, it's like you get locked into it, but like. The people were dressed appropriately. I didn't have to explain, like, oh, no, no, that's armor that that girl was wearing. That's why Underboob is showing so strongly. No, like, no, no, it, you it, see, she breathes through her skin. It makes sense. Yeah. I, I, the sailor suit is nuclear power. I appreciate, I appreciate an anime that I can watch in public and not be, like, low-key ashamed that people think I am watching some form of porn. I do appreciate it. Even though little, I could probably do a little bit better job in Little Witch Academia. Because <laughs> it's all. Although I can probably do a better job of watching. <laughs> but they're all clothed all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say it's a solid four. Um, and depending on where they go with the third season, maybe my score will rise. I do think I did like that it had like a finite ending. I, yeah. I do find that some anime just keep on going and going and going yeah. when they don't have any story threads remaining, and it's just kind of was a bore. I did like that it kept to a tight few seasons, but maybe if there's a third season, they can elaborate on some stuff, make it a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm in. I'll probably watch a third season. Mm. Yeah. All right. If there is one. And I now, agree with your, your oh. statement on Croy, though. I just want to add that also to mine. That uh, her whole motivation for this uh, being simple, petty jealousy. Yeah, that's uh, pretty was, bad. <laughs> like, and not even like, like, like we were best friends, and they were like, oh, I got this. And then she was like, oh, I'm sorry, we can do this together. And she was like, no, it has to be me. <laughs> the anger she had just like watching. There's one scene where she's there watching Shiny Chariot, like, do a little show in a town square, and she's just so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, why? What does it matter? Yeah, when she had, like, when she was, like, right there when Chai Cherry was picked, she was like, oh, yeah. why did you pick this useless idiot? And I was like, oh, wow, um, I thought you were a friend. Damn. Yeah, you know, we think she was an idiot? What the fuck? <laughs> That's pretty funny, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, okay. Let's, let's, let's take a step. A little hurt, but all right. <laughs> I understand your feeling, but all right. So, uh, so who... Chowder, what's uh, what's the gold star? The gold star. Well, for this episode, the gold star is going to be the golden shooting star. Red Escalion. Nah, nah, the shooting star broom. (laughs) Uh, The golden shooting star broom. It's gonna be gone for pretty much the entire season, and then like (laughs) come come back at the last minute to save your ass, and you're gonna be thankful you had it. Even though you forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, for an entire season. For <laughs> an entire yeah, two uh, seasons, actually. Oh, yeah, almost two seasons, because it was like the third episode when they did the broom raid. Yeah, exactly. Or second or third. <laughs> yeah. Dude, uh, I legitimately thought that that was going to become more of an element. When we first yeah. introduced it, I was like, oh, it'll be like our, you know, fucking Nimbus 2000. But nah, it was like, oh, I'm out. You want to watch the magical broom and I live to ride? <laughs> But it did get us to introduce Amanda, who, like I said, was my favorite. 
Just American. Amanda's American. Oh, is she? If you didn't know. Yeah. I just liked her because she didn't take no shit. And she was like, yo, I'm Because she's an American. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay, then then I applaud um, Little Ocean Academia for not doing the uh, anime thing. It's like, oh, we need a bad guy. Yo, what's that American doing? Nah, the bad guy's (laughs) Italian this time. Uh, Is is Croy supposed to be Italian? I mean, her name is Croy, so... So? I knew a German named Croy. Uh, Whatever. Anyways. We can Google it later. (laughs) Are you Bengali or American? Mr. Boarding Queens? Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Anyways. Happy birthday. Uh, so who who gets the magic ring? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm rambling again. It's, yeah, this is a close one, but uh, I think I'm going to have to give it to Ryan. He made a lot of really good points about Blame! Yeah. <laughs> I got it. I'm coming for you, Pat. When we get into the square <laughs> circle, I'm going to rock you. And I'm gonna roll yeah. Are we going to have like a team uh, Golden Star bat- final battle? Like you have know, like everyone has to pick like a few different people and one old F- common geeky crowd. And like just as Ryan's about to lose, the broom will come in to save his ass yeah. on the last minute. <laughs> I believe that I, I remember that I have friends and that I believe in myself, and that's my, my magic. As I gouge Pat's eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know it sounds bad, but I, I did I did love when, when, when like, the final few episodes where they were like, that's your magic. I was like, oh my god, it is! Believing in yourself, Akko, is your magic, because you don't have anything else, literally. <laughs> you can make a light on your wand, and you... Kind of. I think nearly, near the end, she was able to turn herself into various animal shapes. And not even, like, very good animal shapes, but, like, she got better at it, so, like, whatever. Yeah. She got also, better. But, hey, we got to have her and Tiny Chariot make up which was really important to me. Mm. Like, I needed a hug out of that. I'm glad we got a hug out of that. All right. The funny thing is, I like when Ursula transforms from frumpy witch with, like, a giant badonkadonk into cat suit shiny charity <laughs> by just ripping off her robe. <laughs> also, like, well, can we also acknowledge that one? That's, that's the robe. And I thought that was a weird choice. And two, I just want to say that, like, for all the magical ability, shiny cherry just punched things a bunch, which I yeah, was super she was into. <laughs> super ninja fucking shit going on. Yeah, I expected way more life. I didn't see her wand flick one time. That wasn't I magic. That's just way, her. Yeah, way more magic, but she's like, I'm gonna drop kick this dragon. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> yeah Jesus Christ. Christ. I mean, you know, she made the dragon disappear by obliterating it. Yeah, but, yeah. uh, so like, yeah, but <laughs> I also agree with Ryan. Way more punchy than I expected out of the magic fight. <laughs> Alright, let's move on to the outro. That about wraps it up. Thank you for listening to the Common Geek Program. I'm your host, Timul, or Chatter, whichever you prefer. And you can find me on Twitter, at TimulChudder. You can see how that's spelled in the, in the description. Figure it out. Again, I've been joined by Keenan and Ryan. Next week, our episode will be hosted by... That, that, that's me. I'll be talking about Castlevania. Because you like to play Castlevania. Um, <laughs> no, we, what is a man? Not... A miserable, miserable pile of secrets and lies. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Castlevania, and we're gonna talk about how the possibility that video game adaptions could be good, maybe, possibly, maybe. hopefully, probably not though. I mean, yeah. have you seen the track record? All right. Well, I mean, have you seen Castlevania? I mean, Castlevania, yes. Have you seen Castlevania? The funny thing about Castlevania is when they introduce smithing. Or soul forging or whatever. Dude, I didn't and they like... just put, like, corpses on a table and then they hammer the table. I thought it was the most lazy thing ever. Sorry, I didn't like how the other guy, uh, <laughs> Isaac, didn't have, like, 
I don't get how he was a smith. He had a saw that we saw once, and like he stabbed yeah, well, that's things. It. You saw you saw the table, and then a blue flame occurs, and then monsters. Maybe I don't know. But like, <laughs> it's I, it's I magic. Like, oh, they right. don't need to explain that shit. Oh, sure. Yeah, Anyways, be, thing. be sure to tune in next Friday on December twenty eighth, and follow us. And also follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Common Geeking Program or at Geeking Program. Any engagement such as sharing a post, tagging us, or tweeting hashtag CGP will enter you into our raffle. Reviewing us on Apple Podcasts is a critical help to growing our show. We'll read new reviews on the air. Anyways, thanks for listening, subscribing, sharing, and smashing that like button. And all that stuff. Uh, and smash that like button. <laughs> well, we'll talk to you next week. Ciao. See you, everybody. Yeah, bye. This episode of the Common Geeking Program was hosted by Taimul Chaudhary, joined by Kin Kodish and Ryan Mossbarger. This episode is sponsored by Believing in Yourself. Don't knock it till you try it, because, you know, we could all use some self-confidence, I think. Eh, I suck, don't I? Well, anyways, the podcast is created and produced by Colin Ketchin and Jeff Lovett, with this episode edited by me, Taimul Chaudhary, co-edited by Colin Ketchin. With original music, also by Colin Ketchin. Next week, we'll be talking about Castlevania. Be sure to read up on that. And thank you for listening to this podcast. Ciao, wish you a happy birthday. Oh, so, okay, quick, uh, Ryan, did you also, because, like, I agree with you that it was a rough start, because I'll be honest, I was texting Chow, and I was like, I don't know how we're supposed to like these two girls outside of Akko, because Susie just straight up tries to kill us. Yeah, and I then did not. Lo- and then, uh, Loda is just like, oh, hey, can you get to school? Oh, no, I have no <laughs> way of getting there. Oh, well, I you did not. Expelled, and then, like, was straight up about to just leave her. I was like, what the yeah. fuck? From the first episode, I was like, okay, so Akko is just going to... I thought it was going to be, like, dominoes. So Susie was going to, like, push over Akko, and then Akko was going to push over Lote. Kind of, like, relative, like, um, charisma level. <laughs> and, like, a <laughs> So I didn't understand how Susie was going to fit into it at all. But I actually liked the way that she ended up fitting into his... Oh, uh, yeah, where she was just like, I'm going to release this love bee. Because you know what? I can. Just as a force of chaos, <laughs> yeah. I think she was fun in the episode. Yeah, yeah the Love Bee episode was, I think, too. my favorite. It's just like, uh, gotta feel like Midsummer Night Dream. So, I don't know, it's a really good episode. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. It, she smacks that dude right in his fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, like I said, overall, like, it had a rough start, because like I said, I wasn't sure how I was supposed to feel about all these characters. Also, real fucking clever. Uh, also, Diana was way too good at just everything for me to be okay. Yeah. Oh, like, I like, know this language that almost nobody ever speaks, draconic. Even all the teachers don't know what it means, but I know what it means. Yes, I know exactly what it means. <laughs> like, if, if, if your teachers don't know it, who taught you, girl? Huh? Also, Who if you taught if you, you, if you put into the fact that she also wasn't good at magic before, how did yeah. that like like that just statistically doesn't make? I mean, no, also, like she like after she lost her magic to uh the dream the dream shiny chariot, yeah, shiny chariot. Uh, like you know, she had the wealth and yeah, she the... tried really hard. I get that, but like my point is, uh, she still had 
significantly less time than everyone else to learn how to true, do true, true. 10 times as much as everyone else. Again, so either, well... Like, I know she just tried really hard, but I don't know. She had the best magical tutors. Yeah, but like I said, my issue with Diana was also that, like, she was just way too mean for us to, like, meet... To end up liking her later. Yeah, no, I liked her later, but my issue was, like, when we met her family and, like, that we found out her family crest was, like, kindness above all else, right? I was like, wow, Diana, you, like, didn't get any of that, huh? <laughs> like, you loved your mom, but I guess hey, you forgot about Hey, she went through character that. development, you know? Well, she did, don't, don't get me wrong. She went through a character development. Yes. A single character development. Don't get me wrong, she got better, but, like, also, she was so bougie. I liked when she was called out by, like, Akko. She's bourgeoisie! I was like, yeah, I'm this <laughs> yeah, right. Like that. Just call me Akko. Because legitimately, I think I texted you, Chad, when she first went to her room, I was like, why is her room so much better? Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> You're just trying to make, make class division happen. Fucking bourgeoisie. Yeah, no, it was... Proletariat's uh, gonna come up and fuck her shit up. Yeah, in the form of a bunch of trolls who... Apparently, to start a workers' union, yeah. Which is super fucked up when you acknowledge that they can't do anything without the magic of the stone. Yeah, I thought so, that was super cute how they kind of <laughs> illustrated union tactics in a very adorable way. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to stop doing All right, next we're going to start boarding up the magic. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, the union. Uh, I didn't think it was kind of messed up how they were like, we can't give you any more. I was like, but um, did you just say that they used the stone to live? Like, it's not like, oh, you yeah. money at someplace else. It's like, no, <laughs> not live. It's a like, really just... messed up turn. Wait, Chad, stop They recording? could move or do anything without it, so effectively, uh, it's a fate worse than death. Yeah. Should I stop recording? Yeah. Oh, uh, shit. I, well, did, I, did not... I guess let's stop now.